0: Today, we're continuing our Roots series where I'm sharing some of the older episodes to really give you an idea of the heart and the message behind the show. Many of you have not heard these episodes because they're from the very beginning, or maybe you heard them, but it's been a couple years. And I pulled out things that I think are really foundational to the ministry, to who I am, helping you to understand who you are actually listening to day in and day out. And so this is a conversation I had about healing, and I think it's a common misconception within the body of Christ that if you aren't healed miraculously, that it's connected to your faith or your lack of faith. And that's what I want to address in this episode. So I'm actually going to break it into two parts today and tomorrow. And if you want to talk more about this, if you are stuck in this area, or this is something you want a little bit more guidance on, I do want to let you know that I also offer life coaching and spiritual direction, and I would be happy to walk through some of that with you. You can find out more about that at shehears.org. Today, what I wanted to do was kind of follow up on one of the things that we talked about last week, and it kind of got a little bit of traction this week. I heard back from some of you about how you have to put the work in. For your healing. And I know that that kind of sounds countercultural to a lot of Christian audiences. I think there is this tendency to think that you can just pray about things and it will get better. And while we definitely see throughout scripture how Jesus heals instantly sometimes, a lot of times that's not how it works, or that's not the only way that it works. A lot of times what we see is, for an example, with a medical issue. Our pastor actually talked about this week, how he had a knee injury and he believed for 12 years that God would just supernaturally heal him. And it took him getting surgery to be healed. Now, God certainly used the doctors and the medicine and the technology to heal him, but it took a perspective shift and he struggled with a lot of guilt and shame over that decision. But that was ultimately how God wanted to heal him. And so there's been a perspective shift now. And I think what has happened is is within the body of Christ, there's been some faulty teaching. Now, I am 100% a believer in divine, miraculous, instantaneous, supernatural healing. I've experienced it personally. I've prayed for people that have gotten healed. Sometimes that is how God heals. Other times, he leads us to educated physicians that have the knowledge and the skill to help us. And I think for me, when I had, I grew up in a in a traumatic background, I had been involved in several abusive relationships, and I definitely had some things that I needed healing from. My response to that was, if I sought out healing, or if I sought out a doctor, or I sought out therapy, or any of those things, then my faith wasn't big enough, that I would should just have enough faith and God would just supernaturally heal me, especially because I had seen him heal other people. And so there was this Constant tension of, well, you know, my faith must just not be big enough because God's not healing me. I want to say right now that I want you to have freedom from that mentality because that's not biblical. That's not scriptural. Yes, sometimes God does heal supernaturally and sometimes he heals through doctors and medicine. And I think for me, one of the things that became very evident, especially in the last year or two, as I've been walking through a season of healing, I became committed. To pursue healing, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and there was just a lot of things that were not adding up for me. I started running. I had carried a lot of extra weight, and as you know, stress causes weight gain and high cortisol, and all the things that come along with a stressful environment. And everybody else that I knew that had that were runners, they they would lose weight. I committed to a three month program for running. At the end of the three months, including a really healthy, cheerful diet, lots of water, all those kinds of things, I had gained four pounds. And it's not like I am small, like I have a lot to lose, but yet I was doing all the things that I knew to do that, you know, every doctor says to do calories in, calories out, all that kind of thing. It wasn't working. And I got to this place where I was just feeling so defeated, but I knew that there was something wrong with my body. Like it wasn't just this. Bad, unhealthy eating. It wasn't just lifestyle choices. There was legitimately something wrong when I was doing all the things that science said to do, and I couldn't lose the weight. And so I started to really look at maybe some additional issues, and did a lot of research on cortisol. Of course, cortisol is the stress hormone that's produced when you're in a stressful environment. And I realized that I basically lived off of cortisol. Like it was kind of I had a steady diet of cortisol since I was a kid, and. Although I could recognize it, I didn't know what to do about it. That's kind of going on in the back of my mind. And then we started having some issues with one of our daughters. She was learning how to drive, and she kept hitting things. She's a very smart, very intelligent, top of her class. Normally does not have issues, has 20-20 vision. But she started hitting things like a garbage can and, you know, a pole. And it was just like, what the heck is going on? Really had a hard time teaching her how to drive. And so we took her to an eye doctor. The eye doctor said, well, her eyes are 20-20 vision. I can't find a single problem wrong with her. I want you to take her to an auditory specialist because sometimes the auditory nerve can get things confused and make peripheral vision off and those kinds of things. So we ended up getting to an ocular specialist who specializes in like a neurology type practice. It's like an ocular neurologist. And basically what he said was that her sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems were off And that's usually due to trauma. This is a kid that has never had a concussion, never had any kind of, you know, accident, you know, no broken bones, anything like that. And so I just really kind of didn't understand that. And I said, you know, trauma, she's not ever hit her head or anything like that. And he said, well, it could be emotional trauma. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because the emotional trauma that she would have suffered would have been when she was like, Two or three years old, and now she's seventeen, and so we're trying to figure out what that means. So he puts her on a treatment plan. She ended up doing therapy and light therapy and all sorts of things. And actually, she's a hundred percent healed now. God has really done a really miraculous work in her. And in fact, she just got her driver's license this last weekend. So as I started thinking about that, I thought, man, if she has trauma, what what about what? She's re- she's lived a pretty protective life, you know, since the time she was pretty little. She's had a pretty protective life, so if she had that kind of trauma that would mess her up that much, maybe I should get checked out. So I made an appointment with a doctor, and he said, "Well, have you had any kind of concussion or brain trauma?" And I said, "You know what i I've had a lifetime of physical, emotional, spiritual, all of it." And so he said, "Well, let's bring you in. We'll do an evaluation." What he found was that the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system just like my daughter was out of balance and one of those sy- systems works for your rest and digest so your sleep your your gut your you know the physical side of things the other side of that is like your get up and go your fight or flight and so basically what he found was my fight or flight was so elevated that my rest and digest was so depleted. And in the case of my daughter, it was pretty easy to get her rebalanced out. And within a couple months, she was pretty much back to normal. But he said to me that whereas most people experience certain times of stress, he said in my brain, there was like a super highway for stress. And that didn't surprise me at all. And I had explained to him some of the issues I had been having with difficulty losing weight and just hard time sleeping and migraines and all kinds of things. And he said, all of those are stress responses in the body. The funny thing is, is I was in a season that was the least stressful of my entire life. And I I hate to say that because I don't want to downplay the pandemic and quarantine because I know that that has been tragic for a lot of people. There's been a lot of death and a lot of sickness and job loss and a lot of changes. For me, It was actually an opportunity to pause and evaluate my life and look at the things that I was doing in light of what God was calling me to. And I transitioned into a full-time ministry role that was remote, working from home. So I was spending a lot of time at, at my house. We weren't running and going all the time because of the pandemic. Everything was shut down. So my kids were pretty much just at home. We weren't doing sports and all those kinds of things. And so I had had a period of like a year of rest, and I was walking or running every day. I was eating, I had time to make healthy meals. We did not have that fast paced schedule. I was not traveling. Like it was really a season for me that I should have been well rested. Yet what was happening in my body is I had a super highway for cortisol. If we're going to talk about cortisol or stress in terms of lifestyle choices, I did everything that I was supposed to be doing. I mean, we were eating organic homemade meals and very little sugar intake. And if it was, it was natural stuff. I mean, really lifestyle choices, when it boils down to that, I couldn't have done anything differently. And so... As he's explaining how this all works, he said, you know, for younger people and like in my daughter's case, they can bounce back a little bit differently and easier. He said, for me, it was going to take a little bit more work. And in his role, he could deal with the physical aspect of things, but he said he needed to be an advocate for healing by sending me to other people that could help. Now, I also, at that point, was going through with one of my graduate seminary classes, I was going through a class where we were doing kind of like a life map of all the things that brought us to the place of where we were at. And so it also was a season where I was being very deeply contemplative about just the ways that the Lord had worked in my own life. And I realized that there was this intersection of, this is how things have always been. This is how things are now. And where do we want to go from here? And the Lord has really given me this opportunity to really examine the rest of the trajectory of my life. And some of the things might sound hokey. Some of the things might sound like, oh, well, I can never do. What I would say now is who I am now is not who I was a year ago. Who I am now is not who I was five years ago. If you knew me in my 20s, don't think that you know who I am now in my 40s. Uh, that's just the reality of it on top of maturity and life experience, I feel like there's been this, this level of healing that I could not have understood prior to starting this whole healing process. The first thing that we handled, and this is what I want to get into with the whole aspect of you have to be willing to put the work in to get to your healing. Sometimes that means seeing a therapist. There's no shame in that. For some people, it might mean medication, and there's no shame in that. For some people, it might mean lifestyle changes, changes in jobs, changes in relationships. There's no shame in that. And by changes in relationships, I'm not saying get a divorce or something like that. I'm saying there are people in our lives that fill us up and there are people in our lives that drain us. And the goal is to start spending more time with the people that fill you up and less time with the people that drain you. And that has kind of been a life motto of mine in the last couple of years, because I'm at a place where I realize that I have to protect my own emotions and my own mental and emotional and spiritual health. And the way to do that is by setting that boundary and not giving so much of myself away that there's nothing left for me. And I think we do that a lot in the name of Christianity. We answer every phone call. We go to every event. We are attend every argument we're invited to. And that's not what God wants for us. It's not healthy. And we are not obligated to do that, especially if you're in ministry leadership. I think that there's this tendency to do that. And my caution with that is it is a quick road to burnout. I mean, I was literally told I was on the superhighway for cortisol. And that had come after a decade of very draining ministry. And instead of being in a place of fe- feeling fulfilled, which is what I would hope would happen after a decade of ministry, instead, I just felt completely depleted. A couple things that, that I did that I worked through that I want to elaborate a little bit on. What I will say is in the past, I I just used to live in fear of the mailbox. The mailbox would represent for me just the place I would find out if I got a letter from somebody complaining about something at the church or there had been just a personal issue with somebody and I would always find out about it with a letter. I used to just live in dread of the mailbox. And if I saw a handwritten address, I literally would have a physical response. Like my heart would start beating super fast. I would feel like I couldn't breathe. I don't, I would never would have called them a panic attack, but that's probably what they were. I just, was a Christian. So I would not ever admit to having a panic attack or even exploring that opportunity, but it's probably what it was to the point where like, I can't think I can only hear my heartbeat in my brain. My pulse is super fast and I would just have this visceral physical response that would happen every time I would enter into a stressful situation. And so if I had to have a difficult conversation with somebody that was attacking me over something at the church or an issue with any kind of authority. Like if the principal needed to talk to me about one of the kids, I have really good kids. They're not in trouble. If anything, it's like they're the math Olympians. But I would, you know, if I got that message, we need to have a talk. Can you come see me? I just would have this physical response. And I think that goes back to childhood because of the extreme abusive type of discipline that I experienced where I just would have physical responses to any kind of authority. And so I did not connect that with stress. I did not connect that with cortisol or it was just I I knew that about myself. Like, yeah, I can't I can't handle that kind of stuff. But I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to do with it. I just assumed that I could just pray about it and it would go away. And so what the doctor did, and this is incredible, he explained it, he's a believer, he, he explained how God has created our brains to heal. And the whole field of neuroplasticity, meaning the ability of our brains to stretch and heal is kind of a rather new industry or new science. I think it's been like the last 20 years that they've realized that our brains have the ability to really deeply heal. And, you know, it makes sense because if you cut your arm, the cut will eventually heal up. Or, you know, if you damage something, you can a lot of times work towards therapy and those kinds of things. But they didn't really connect that to the brain. They thought if there was brain damage, then that's just how it is. But the reality is, is God has wired us for healing, but we have to have the right tools for healing. And so there was a therapy called syntonic light therapy. What it does is it takes different kinds of light. They have basically goggles that you wear that are different colors and they have a certain kind of light that you use and for just a couple of minutes a day you view the light it's very similar to being in the healthy blue light from the sun good weather where you're not like uv light but the the kind of you know you'll you'll hear about it with in the summertime people do better cuz they have higher vitamin d levels and in the winter time they End up having, like, I think it's called SAD, where it's seasonal affective disorder because you're not getting enough light, uh, full spectrum light from the sun. So they have light lamps that people can use in the wintertime to produce that synthetic light. It's the same idea, except that light is the full spectrum of colors. What the Syntonic light therapy does is it pinpoints certain colors that produce certain responses in the body. So there are certain colors, I think it's the blues and the greens that calm down your nervous system when you are in a fight or flight mode, which is what I needed. And then there's other lights that increase. So for somebody that has like a depression or anxiety, well, actually anxiety would be fight or flight, depression, lethargic, those kinds of things. It engages that system to respond in a way that it engages the nervous system to increase. And so um, believe me, I'm not a scientist. I can't even explain this really well. I'm just telling you our experience. And so- for a couple minutes a day i would put on these bluish green glasses and then and look at this light and then a couple minutes a day i would look through a red light and within i would say the first week i did this for i think 2 months but i would there was different shades of glasses depending on what my evaluation said but within the first week i started sleeping through the night i have been a person that has never slept through the night i as a kid would sleep about 4 or 5 hours a night And I'm talking like a young kid, like probably from age 11 on. And I've been drinking coffee since I was probably 12 because I would be tired in the morning, but I could just never sleep. And some of that was environmental. Some of it was fear. Some of it was stress. Some of it was I was staying up super late because I found a lot of identity and making sure I got really good grades. And so there's a lot of things that go into that. But even as an adult, full night sleep for me, like a full, full night sleep for me would be maybe four or five hours. And people would say to me all the time, oh, you know, how do you get so much done? I wrote the majority of my books between the hours of 12 a.m. and 3 a.m. Because I would have this second wind where my brain would kind of just not shut off. So I I would be productive and I would work towards things. And that's how I got a lot of stuff done. So for me to sleep eight, nine hours was unheard of. That was two nights worth of sleep for me. And so obviously something was happening. Something was going on. Something you know, these lights were doing something. And so after a month, I went back. Okay, friends, I think we're going to end it there for today. And we will pick up with this conversation tomorrow. Real quick, before we go, I just want to remind you that we have entered into a partnership on the show with Compassion International. And that's actually where the tithe of the show is going. But in addition to that, it, we have it our goal in 2024 to try to get 15 children sponsored each and every month. And through sponsorship, the children are given everything from a Bible to medication, to education, to physical care and medical care. And it's a way to really engage these kids because you can also write letters to them and almost develop a sort of mentorship relationship. So if you'd like more information on that, you can head to compassion.com forward slash hearing jesus and also just as a bonus compassion is going to be sending anybody that sponsors through the show a free copy of my bible study she hears learning to listen to jesus so if you've been waiting to get your hands on a copy of that that's a perfect opportunity to do both of those together again head to compassion.com forward slash hearing jesus